Great. Well, uh, welcome, everyone. Aaron Smith and Nancy Bakeman with the Energy and Environmental Building Alliance. And uh, we're really pleased to welcome you to the EBA webinar and podcast series. Today, we're joined by Deanna Vidal and Megan Sherlock with John Burns. And uh, if you haven't heard of John Burns, you, you're probably wrong. <laughs> They're just an incredible firm. We're uh, lucky to uh, be able to par partner with them. And uh, today they're going to go through consumer insights on health and sustainability. So, Deanna, I'll turn it over to you for a further introduction and some navigation for people attending on where to enter Q&A. Thank you so much for having us, Nancy and Aaron. It's been a long time coming, I feel like. And I was talking and sort of thinking this morning that when we were writing this survey, I was just like, oh my gosh, the EBA crew would love this stuff, right? So like, here we are. It was like, put it out there in the universe and here we are now. So I really appreciate you having us. I want to give everybody a little bit of context for Megan and myself and, and sort of where we sit in the John Burns group. So, you know, John Burns Research and Consulting is really known for all things housing and real estate. And Megan and I sit in a part of the company called the New Home Trends Institute. And what the New Home Trends Institute does is we focus on consumer and design and trend tracking. And what that means is that we are constantly surveying consumers on all different types of things. So sometimes we talk about energy performance. Sometimes we talk about kitchens. Sometimes we talk about baths. Sometimes we talk about storage. I mean, whatever whatever topics seem to be relevant to what's happening across the housing and real estate industry, those are the questions that we want to ask consumers. And so um, we pair that with what we're seeing and tracking and what's being developed, built, and sold or even put up for rent in the housing market. So. Thank you for having us. A few housekeeping things before we dig into the details. If you have questions, please put them in the Q&A section um, as soon as they come into your mind. And as we have time, we will address those questions. So don't be shy. Just start typing your question as soon as it pops into your mind. You don't have to hold that until the end of the hour. Um, we have a lot of information to get through today. We've tried to make it as digestible as possible, but um, we hope that you enjoy it. So let's talk about this survey and, and what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be talking about the high level mindset of where consumers are shifting and how they perceive home building, health, and the, how their home impacts their health, and then their sustainability preferences. Um, Megan is our brainchild of this survey. She's the one who knows all the intimate details about what is going on in this space. She's the one that wrote our reports on these topics. And so I'm really thrilled that she can be the one delivering this information to you today. I'm just here to have, I'm just here to have fun because I want to hang out with you guys quite honestly. So um, <laughs> Megan Sherlark is a research analyst at the New Home Trends Institute, and I'm going to let her give you a little insight into the methodology of the survey before we jump in. All right, thank you, Deanna. So back in November, 2022, we surveyed over 1200 homeowners and single family renters age 18 plus, matching the following characteristics listed here on the screen. And the responses to the survey were weighted nationally by region as well as life stage group. Now at the New Home Trends Institute, we segment data by four life stages, which are defined as follows, young singles and couples, who are those under age 45 with no children in the household, young families, 
which are families with children, all under age 12, mature families, who are families with children in the household, some or all older than age 12, as well as adult children, and lastly, mature singles and couples who are age 45 and up with no children in their household. So that's really helpful because I know a lot of people talk about information in generations or in decade born. <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure that we all understood when we talk about mature singles and couples or we talk about young families, what that means. Um, we have taken all of the information from consumers and knowing what you guys' expertise is in and, and sort of what Eva is all about, we've broken it down into five key things. We want to walk you through the details of how we got there. But before we jump in, let's talk about those five things. The first thing is that consumers believe that the home impacts the health of its occupants. They do believe that. Um, and they expect that in the future, they're telling us their future purchases, they're going to consider it even more. The second piece of the puzzle is that um, how homes are built versus what they're being used to build or the methodology are perceived differently in the consumer mindset. So when you're talking to consumers, talk about what's being built, what the home is, not necessarily how you built it. And then on the third number is really indoor air quality is the thing that are top of mind of consumers on how to make their homes healthier. We're going to dig into all the pieces of that in a second. But when we look at it more globally, mental health is the biggest concern of consumers when it comes to their overall well-being. The fourth thing we're going to dig into is that when we talk about sustainability or being eco-friendly, the drivers really are that they're saving money, and that's the thing that's really driving the decision. So Megan, I'll walk through how we got there on that too. And then the last piece of the puzzle that we'll talk about is that health and sustainability does matter. It's in a lot of consumers' minds, but they need to be educated, and the option needs to be outrageously obvious for them on what the healthy choice is. So Megan, I'm going to let you jump into number one so that we can talk about um, how the home impacts the health and what consumers told us in the details. All right. So our survey insights suggest that we can expect health to impact home selection more often. 95% of consumers believe that a home impacts the health of its members, and 30% of that 95% believe the impact is large. 73% of consumers told us that they would consider health when selecting their next home. And this is nearly double the 43% of those who considered the impact of the home's structures and materials on their health when selecting their current home. Though young consumers consider health impact more, mature singles and couples are closing the gap. As you can see here in the green bar charts, young singles and couples are twice as likely as mature ones to consider health when selecting their current home, 62% versus 32%. But when it comes to their next home, 70% of mature singles and couples told us they will consider health, which is only 14 percentage points behind the young singles and couples and pretty similar percentage to families. So real quick on this, Let's talk about how aspirational plays a role in surveys. So this seems like a pretty big jump across the board, across all different life stages. So actions that are actually going to be taken probably won't be this dramatic, but we do foresee that there's going to be a larger adoption and more aspiration 
to even look and consider these things. So just, just a little bit of a factor control there. The second right. piece that we want to dig into is really on talking about the performance of the home, whether and how it performs for the occupant, and less about all the little details that went into getting there and sort of why that matters for consumers. So of the 19 pure play publicly traded U.S. home builders, all but three have spelled out specific public facing environmental, social, government policies and practices, commitments, and investments. However, this is really important to investors, not necessarily home buyers, and they shouldn't expect most consumers to truly value these sustainability efforts. Even though they're sharing this information publicly, consumers still believe that the home building industry has a negative impact on the environment. And I think we all know that when it comes to these ESG reports, it's really geared toward the financial, publicly traded stock exchange needs and requirements that are being met there. But there are some companies out there that are doing it because they feel like they want to show their cards and they want to show everybody how they're doing and how they're performing and they want to be held accountable. Um, but there is a piece of it where consumers that are really interested and will look at who those people are in a little bit, um, how big of a percentage those are that are interested and they will look at those things. So on this chart here, we have the breakdown of those who think that they have a positive impact versus negative. And as I said previously, 49% of consumers believe that the home building industry has either a somewhat or very negative impact on the environment compared to only 15% who view it as positive. Up to 62% of young singles and couples seen here in the purple bracketed um, call out box believe that the home building industry has a negative impact on the environment. Now, when it comes time to find their next home, consumers will need to choose between new construction and resale. So in terms of health, new construction, as we know, has the advantage, but most consumers don't really know that the difference is that large. Education is needed to take health from a consideration to a driver of choices. 51% of consumers told us they believe newly built homes are better for their occupants' health. However, only 10% who listed it as much better understand that the difference in health quality is large and know that the new homes are healthier than resale. When it comes to figuring out how the home building industry can best reduce its environmental impact, consumers think that creating homes that require less energy or water to live in, more so than reducing waste, pollution, material usage in the construction process, is the way to go. So this really ties back into that. It's affecting my wallet, therefore I care about it a little more. You'll see that a couple times as we go through the presentation. And then on the third piece that we're gonna talk about, um, we have better indoor air quality really through a filtration system, and we'll dig into those details, is really what consumers understand the most that's directly tied to their health. There's a ton of hypotheses out there about why that is. I'm sure we could spend uh, the entire hour on that, um, but we really wanted to take it and put it in the perspective of the global health um, and, and how consumers are looking at their well-being. 
All right, so when asked which commonly included home feature, healthy home feature, sorry, would most improve their health and or the health of their household members. Um, of those four, we had better indoor air quality, more daylight slash natural light, building with fewer chemicals and antibacterial surface coatings, better indoor air quality by far topped the list, suggesting that better indoor air quality via filtration is what consumers best understand as the link between their health and the home itself. But so, it's oh, sorry to interrupt, but it's interesting no, to me <laughs> that it's even higher than opening the window. Right. And so it's even higher than that fresh air is like having that filtered air. Like that's the piece to me that like stood out was it's not about opening the window to get fresh air. It's about cleaning the air. Right. Like that's just a very different mindset. So 52% of consumers here, you can see on the chart, told us that they believed filtration systems were the most important, even though um, research also shows that minimizing indoor emissions is one of the best ways to get that healthier indoor air. Yeah, so and that's that's another piece of the puzzle that I think we should call out is that we're talking about what consumers are telling us. So it's really like, how do you connect the dots to talk to the consumers about these things, right? Whether or not we all understand what's really moving the needle, it's about the perceived value of things. And so when we do these consumer surveys, it's always like we always end up back in the seat of like, okay, but why does it matter, right? Like, why do we run these surveys? Because we're trying to understand the consumer mindset and how can we better communicate with them? And so even if it's not the thing that's making the difference, it's the perception. So. I, I could probably keep talking. You can tell I'm really passionate about this. I could talk about this for a while, but move on. let's keep going. <laughs> well, we'll keep talking about perception here. So <laughs> we asked them what sort of air quality terminology that they're familiar with. And of these four, um, HEPA filtration um, ranked the most familiar and low VOC, indoor air plus, and MERV filtration is what they were least familiar with. So marketing materials that use these terms um, just really need to be accompanied by education, clear definitions, stuff that the consumer really understands. Because as you can see here in the dark blue charts, um, that's what references um, that they've never heard of the term. And 84% to 91% of consumers are unfamiliar with these terms. Yeah, and I think if you, We'll look at a chart later and just think about the companies that have done like the equivalent of what I call the milk campaign, you know, like they're just they're out there just like like all day, every day. You can't avoid them. Um, those are the companies that keep showing up over and over and again in the consumer's mind is like, oh, I've heard of that. Oh, I know that they might not know all the details, but the brand name or the acronym or whatever it might be is familiar to them. So next up, we tied this familiarity conversation to um, a conversation about costs. And most of those who are familiar with the air quality terms don't believe that they should add to the overall cost of a home. Consumers who are familiar with indoor air plus certification and MERV filtration, which as we saw on the last page, not so many, they're most understanding of that associated price premium. However, most will not expect to pay more to have air filtration or low VOC materials in their homes. And I think this ties back to the whole education piece of the puzzle, too. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but once like, yeah, it took a long time for Indoor Air Plus for Merv to get some of those consumers, a lower percentage of consumers, but to get them on board. But they understand it better. Therefore, the value 
the value makes sense. So given that consumers ranked better indoor air quality their number one way to improve health in the home, it's no surprise that they'd consider these whole home air filtration systems to be the best way to improve said air quality. Um, here on the chart, you can see consumers expect whole home air um, and water filtration systems to be included in newly constructed homes. And an installed humidifier slash dehumidifier was viewed as something that could pretty easily be added later. So not an essential over the um, whole home air and water systems. So throughout multiple surveys, we found that products that integrate throughout the whole home are worth more to consumers than room specific solutions. And this is consistent with what we've seen on the smart tech front as well. Um, in a separate survey on smart home tech, we asked homeowners whether it was worth paying more for various products. And for nearly half, it's worth paying moderately or a lot more for a product that integrates throughout the whole home as opposed to the room specific solutions, which just lends further support to consumers as a desire for the whole home air and water filtration systems. Now, despite consumer notions about the importance of better indoor air quality, we find that many households just simply don't change their furnace filter on a routine basis. According to the Joint Center for Housing Studies, less than 50% of homeowners reported that they had done this in the past, which, I don't know, it's a little cringy, right? Ugh. So let's clean those <laughs> air filters, or at least teach them that that's an important part of the puzzle so that they can get that healthy air that they crave. So overall, consumers understand that home air quality and materials impact their health. However, clean air and non-toxic materials, as you can see here at the bottom of the chart, are not on their top of their health priorities lists. Mental well-being is. Um, it tops the list of most important health and wellness factors, even ranking above physical, physical fitness and other health factors. And the lower prioritization of healthy home features in the overall scheme of wellness just supports consumers' unwillingness to pay a premium for these features, despite saying how much they value their health. Therefore, it's important to design for mental health as well to align with consumer priorities. I think this says a lot about looking and tying the big picture together. Um, yeah, purified air. I mean, for me personally, my mental well-being is always better when I'm not sick or not, you know, feeling run down. So it's all those little incremental things that add up. But the focus right now is on that mental well-being. And there's so many factors. I mean, you could argue that all of these factors influence mental well-being, right? Um, and so it's really just sort of knowing where the North Star is in the consumer's mind. So up next, we have some design examples for you. Um, in this instance, uh, we're going to be talking about designing for mental well-being in terms of having a little private getaway. So here on the, well, on my screen, it's the left-hand side. So what <laughs> seems like a bookshelf is actually this hidden door to a room within the primary bedroom suite. Now, the team behind the America at Home study concept created this hidden room in response to thinking about how we can escape within our own homes and not having to go very far. So the room provides this extra space just to either be alone or maybe with your partner or spouse. And our design lens team noted that um, for families, especially kids are less likely to walk, you know, or they're rather they're likely to walk into any room just thinking they can, but they won't necessarily think to walk beyond the room into this hidden room, um, just kind of helping to create that me time a little, little more for the home occupants. 
as a new mom with a one-year-old running around, like being able to hide behind a bookcase sounds kind of nice some days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but, you know, just for a little bit of context for everybody, besides my crazy toddler chasing me around, um, <laughs> the we have a, a database called Design Lens where we track what's being built around the country and we start to look for trends. We start to look for things um, that's happening and these little getaways or these connections to nature, we're starting to see them pick up. And so like this is just one example, but we could probably give you 30 examples of different so ways that people are starting to solve for this. Deanna, did you look at because uh, I think we hear a lot in like biophilic studies about this connection to nature being really important to mental wellness. Was there any specific data that uh, asked about that, like access to views of nature or trees mm-hmm. or? Yeah, we we talk about it. Um, oh, Megan went back to the last slide because that's probably the closest slide it's on. But um, <laughs> okay, thank you. connection to nature. And then we actually... In addition to having consumer surveys, we also survey industry experts. So whether it's master plan developers or architects, so on and so forth, right? Um, We're hearing about their residents asking for connection to nature too. And so when we ask our master plan developers what they're focusing on, that's at pretty much the top of the list. I'm not going to say across the board, but across the nation, yes, it is. Um, and so that that is piece that is a piece of the puzzle and the factor of it all. Great, thank you. And then I see the question um, about it when the survey was conducted. So it was conducted prior to the Canadian wildfire smoke. However, since depending on where you live in the country, there's always a wildfire smoke situation going on. I'm just going to say that it balances out across. So like the Northeast might be getting hit right now, but last year it was the mountains and the year before that it was California. So it just, the, we do these national surveys. And so uh, where wildfires are impacting people just kind of seems to shift across the nation. I know it's unfortunate, but that's, that's sort of the case. So I hope that answered your question. Should we move to the next example? Well, let's keep going. All right. So on the topic of connection to nature, we have another great example for you here. Um, designs that allow for that seamless connection also reflect a renewed focus on mental health. Here, TriPoint Homes enhanced this home's connection to the outdoors through outdoor living that's on multiple levels. You can see there's um, a deck at the top there as well as at the first level of the home. Um, There's ample windows and just overall easy access to the yard's awesome outdoor living space. Um, And as we know, connection to the outdoors has become especially important at the onset of the pandemic, but three years later, it remains as important as ever. I know we want to talk about being eco-friendly and being high performance, (laughs) but in order to do that, we really have to talk about consumers' pocketbooks, um, first and (laughs) foremost. And so how that tie is and how things are getting ranked um, sort of of tells the story for you. So you don't need me to tell you. Megan's got the data to show you. (laughs) All right. So while most consumers believe that electricity, water, and carbon matter equally, 30% of consumers say that lowering their electricity consumption would be the most impactful eco-friendly adjustment to their home of those three. Um, It should also be noted that carbon footprint has, you know, incrementally, but grown in importance too. 
as you can see here on the chart, there are now more consumers, albeit 2% more, um, who believe that reducing their carbon footprint matters most than those who believe decreasing water consumption matters most. I'm just going to stop here for a second and talk about carbon. Yeah. I know we're going to talk about it later and you're going to show us all the juicy details, but this, when we got our data back, I was shocked where carbon ranked across the board. And so like, I think it's towards the end of the deck. We're going to talk about more on the carbon, but it's starting to show up more and more on people's radar. Let's talk about that for a second. Think about why that might be. If you book your flight, it shows you your carbon footprint. It gives you the option to lower your carbon footprint, all of these things, right? And so like there's, there's back to the milk campaign, you know, like there is a campaign out there to grow the awareness of this. I think if we run this survey again next year or the year after, it's probably going to jump up even more, but I don't have a crystal ball. That's my own personal hypothesis, right? But carbon is becoming part of the conversation where I feel like for many, many years now on the consumer front anyways, it's been all about their electrical consumption. Water's starting to get there too, but like to see that differentiation for me was kind of like a, I think I actually wrote it on the spreadsheet, like OMG, like <laughs> because <laughs> I just couldn't believe it, so. <laughs> All right, so when it comes to who's thinking about carbon, so young singles and couples are the most concerned right now with lowering their carbon footprint. Um, as you can see here, the purple call out box, it is the highest with that group, 13%, and then it kind of decreases in importance gradually from young and mature families to mature singles and couples. Um, but so next up, we're going to dig into these eco-friendly adjustments just a bit more, uh, the first of which will be consumer thoughts on reducing water consumption and low-flow products, which help with that. So when we surveyed consumers, we asked them what their thoughts were on low-flow products, and it turned out that consumers told us they prefer that low-flow faucets, um, they prefer them the most, but they're not so convinced that low-flow toilets and shower heads are worth their merits. 47% of consumers told us that low-flow products, they see them as pretty positive, but primarily for utility cost savings. For another 23%, their opinion depends on the product itself and where it's located within the home. So think bathroom versus kitchen, that sort of thing. And the main barrier to acceptance of these low flow products is performance. You know, if a low flow product requires taking a longer shower or multiple flushes, in the consumer's mind, it just loses its benefit. 87% of consumers who view low-flow products negatively told us they'd change their minds if such products were able to match the water pressure of a standard product. So I've been Googling a lot of these things because I'm curious what products are out there. And I've seen a rise lately because everybody talks about water pressure, water pressure, water pressure, water pressure of like forced air water here. So I'm really excited to see what innovations happen on the product space to sort of combat this consumer mindset, sort of negative perception of low food products, right? Because I feel like there are solutions that are getting built out there. It just takes a little bit of tweaking or a lot of listening to the consumer and then figuring out how to solve that problem for them. So there are things that are shifting on the product side here that's hopeful. All right, so what is it about products, low flow products that consumers like? Well like we just said, utility cost savings. At the end of the day, consumers are primarily concerned with saving money. 
59% value low flow for utility savings, and 39% say that they value the impact that they have on the planet. The next eco-friendly home adjustment we'll cover here is consumers' desire to reduce their electricity consumption. Now, nearly two-thirds of consumers told us that they're interested in solar panels. However, I want to preface this next part of the conversation by saying please do not misconstrue their interest in solar for a willingness to purchase them, though. Interest, super high, 62% here, we can see on the chart. But the overall understanding of the upfront cost and the time to pay them off is very low. So young consumers were expressing the greatest interest in solar panels, and nearly as many mature singles and couples indicated interest as disinterest. Now, solar panels typically take more than five years to offset their costs, which, as you can see here, 67% of consumers told us they thought less than five years sounded like a reasonable amount of time to <laughs> offset their costs. <laughs> Unfortunately, however, that just indicates that consumers don't fully understand what this realistic offset period looks like. So again, our survey insights revealed that most consumers underestimate the upfront costs as well of solar. 81% have an unrealistic expectation of the true cost. So they said, most said $5,000 or less. Um, about 13% said they'd be comfortable with the 10 to 15,000 range. But most estimates for residential solar panel systems suggest that the cost, depending you know, on states and incentives and all that stuff, is somewhere between $15,000 and $25,000. And as you can see to the right of the chart, less than 20% of consumers who are interested in solar panels or purchasing home with them are also willing to pay that realistic price for them. Okay, I know that all sounds really boxed down and, and not so great, but I actually look at it and I say they're willing to pay and they're willing to wait to have it to offset it right so it's like they're they're willing to pay they just need to know that that number needs to be a little higher and they're willing to wait to recoup costs but they just need to know that it's going to be a little longer right so this is back to the education thing I'm going to say education a lot today aren't I it's all about just keep keep talking keep getting there and they're going to come along they're coming along right so we just got a little bit more, more, more to go for the majority to get on board. But it's still great to see that that many. I mean, that's that's still like a decent amount of percentage of people that are in the right price range. So continuing on the solar topic, um, innovations in solar tech are prioritizing aesthetics and function, which is also helpful because one of the other hindrances we saw in the survey, though not as high, was people's understanding of how they look and thinking that that was maybe another reason for not considering them. So here we have a couple examples of um, great, you know, ways that they're becoming more aesthetically desirable as well as functional. Uh, we have Tesla's solar shingles, which are these slim photovoltaic sheets. They replace or overlay traditional roof shingles and just look so much less bulky than the solar panels we've come to know. Um, other types of shingles can provide a sleeker look and even blend in with historical architecture. I thought this one in the upper right corner was really cool. Um, this is on a rooftop in Italy, so they just blend right in with the terracotta shingles while still offering the function that you want out of a solar panel. And another product, Timberline Solar, um, they're the first, world's first nailable solar shingles. So on top of looking great, it just makes them really easy to install and they just blend in seamlessly with that roofline. 
I know the Eva team does a great job of sort of educating on these things and keeping up to speed on all the wonderful things that are going on. But in our consumer and design world and where we live, I love seeing the evolution of the solar panel moving from being an ornament on top of the roof to being part of the architecture. I think it sort of speaks to one innovation and product and two also what's happening and the ability for it not to influence architecture but to to sort of work with the architecture and so that's that's a really great shift in my mindset to see it's it's a shift that not a lot of I'm going to call it like aftermarket type products get to get to that level so it's lovely to see it. All right, so next up, we're going to move from solar panels to EVs. Now, this may seem like a little bit of a jump, but just bear with me here. <laughs> so we know consumers want to lower their energy consumption, and charging EVs contributes to the increase on a home's electrical load. So we ask consumers about their likelihood of buying one in the near future. Now, theoretically, as more people adopt solar, um, this will offset the energy demand and subsequent costs of EVs that will follow. So. 41% of consumers surveyed told us they plan to have a plug-in um, hybrid or all-electric vehicle within the next three years. Now, while this would be nearly seven times higher than the current 6% who say they own one currently, plug-in hybrid and all-electric vehicle owners will remain the minority for the near-term future. Most consumers, 58%, told us they have no intention of buying one in the next three years. Therefore, if you're a builder, it's probably best to not offer EV charging as a standard yet, but just keep it as an upgrade until greater adoption happens. Unless you live where I live and they require it. But that's like a whole <laughs> other, we don't have time for that topic. But um, I also do think the availability of, of electric vehicles is going to be part of the, the problem. But long term, let's just think long term, the infrastructure that's coming along on the EV front is growing rapidly and long-term investment. I think this is something that's gonna pick up speed, especially when you have a, like a split like this. We did not run the survey a few years ago, but what if we would have, it probably would have been a bigger split um, in between planning versus not planning. So when asked what the likelihood of purchasing a home would be if it came with an EV charging station, 22% of consumers told us that it would be a large part of that consideration. Now, this 22%, it represents consumers who both told us that they plan to buy one, a plug-in or an all-electric within three years, and also reported that the EV charging station would be a large consideration. So combination of those two um, answers. Now, when it comes to those future home selection decisions, Environmental impact we see is growing in consideration for consumers, especially the mature singles and couples who saw the greatest jump from caring about it about 19% of the time when it came to their current home selection um, to 52% who say that it will influence their next home selection. Environmental impact will be considered twice as often in future home selection decisions, reaching about 58% of consumers but ultimately, at the end of the day, environmental impact is remaining well below the consideration of utility costs, which we've been talking about throughout this section, and long-term durability. So even though consideration of the environment has doubled, um, availability and cost just remain substantial hurdles to making eco-friendly decisions. 
13% of consumers, especially young singles and couples, consider eco-friendly choices to be integral to their identity. So this group are, are your consumers who are going to be seeking out such features. They really don't need to be convinced, right? But on the other hand, the majority, 64%, say that environmental impact, while it's important to them, they only make these eco-friendly choices when the options are clearly laid out for them and resources and time permit. And so you have to have this like perfect storm of all these things coming together in order to have these consumers jump on board. Now, two of the top three circumstances that consumers told us were hampering them from making eco-friendly choices are cost-related. Number one, they said, was that there's just not a lot of eco-friendly options available, but close behind that, they don't want to pay extra for them, and there's an affordability concern. Okay, I've said it a thousand times already, so you probably don't need me to say it again, but that's what I'm here for, right? Um, when it comes to health and sustainability and home performance, um, they they're starting to get there like as a whole right we've we've got those 13 percent that are like i'm on board let's go i don't need to be convinced but if we want to continue to grow that bell curve then we do need to continue to educate them but when we talk about educating them i don't mean like don't don't give them a lesson don't don't <laughs> sit them down and give them a stern talking to like that's not what we're talking about when we say educate when we say educate we mean have thoughtful marketing have thoughtful conversations, talk about what matters to the consumer, which we've we've given you a lot of things that do and do not matter to the consumer today, um, and why it's going to influence their decision. And when you understand that and you can find a way to give them the information, especially in the first interaction where it's like this, this benefits you. And then once they're interested, you can continue to give them all of the pieces of the puzzle that add up to why it benefits them. Um, it's going to help continue to grow that 13% that we were talking about a couple of slides ago. So while 93% of consumers say that health and wellness are important to them, the turquoise bars bracketed here, uh, the majority, 51%, only make healthy choices when the options are clearly defined for them. 24% of consumers report that they just simply don't have the time or resources to make these decisions. Um, on the other hand, 18% of consumers say that healthy choices are integral to their identity. And again, like that 13%, this 18% will seek out the healthy home feature. Now, for those who need more guidance and information, we find that simple messaging that illustrates what the healthy choice is will resonate best with consumers. Um, on this slide, we have an example from Meritage Homes' whole home benefits video. It just breaks down building material science pretty simply to focus on the consumer's lifestyle and how it benefits them. So in this video, spray foam insulation was explained by its ability just to keep out pests, you know, these really gross cockroaches eating the birthday cake here. <laughs> <laughs> and air filtration is demonstrated by just the absence of cat hair or, you know, any pet's hair for that matter in the home. When it comes to energy saving products, 69% of consumers told us they're familiar with Energy Star certification, which just holds the greatest brand recognition by far. Um, and as we were talking earlier, carbon, we're seeing it, you know, come up more and more often. It's on the consumers' minds. And we think it should be on your radar, too, because it's the second most familiar term. 40% of consumers told us they know what carbon neutral means. So they're learning. They pay attention. But we got to talk to them more about it. I've probably seen this slide. 
don't know, 300 times at this point because we do a lot of proofing and reviewing of things. And every time it puts a smile on my face, I don't know, I just get really excited about how far carbon's come in the conversation. And really, I mean, a lot of these other ones, like I know relatively it seems like they're lower, but like net zero being at 24%, low E being at 22%, like zero energy ready at 10. Like I still think that if you think about the population of the United States, like 10% of the population is a lot of people, right? So like we only survey, you know, like 1200 people, but that's a really good statistical roll up for what's happening across the country. Um, so th- there are things that are, sh- that are moving up the, the radar here on consumers radar, but I'm just, I just, I don't know. It makes me smile. I'll stop talking so you can keep getting into all the good juicy details. Yes, there's more details on this uh, terminology front. So not only did we want to show you what terms they're familiar with, but we wanted to show you what they're not familiar with, right? Because that's the education component. Um, there was also, they, they've told us they've heard of it, but they're not necessarily familiar. So again, this is just a bigger version of the chart on the previous page. We can see again, consumers are most familiar with Energy Star certified, least familiar with low HERS, life cycle embodied energy, zero energy ready. So, and there's that gray area in between. They've heard it, but they need to know more. All right, so we have this awesome example um, from Thrive Home Builders here on designing for carbon neutrality. So we just wanted to give you some quick highlights on this. Um, in Saunders, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, it was developed by Water's Edge Developments, and it's going to be a community of homes that are net zero, electric, solar powered, healthy, and connected, all with the goal of being carbon neutral. So to give you some background on how this came about, to offset the carbon for all the products in the home, Thrive Home Builders worked with MyTech to create this digital model of all the parts of the home to calculate its carbon footprint. And Thrive determined that 103,000 kilograms of carbon needed to be offset for this retreats model. And to do so, Thrive invested in four distinct decarbonization projects. And the result of this effort was their new Thrive CarbonWise building approach, which calculates a home's embodied energy or embodied and operational carbon, sorry, using more than 19,000 criteria. Like they really thought about this. (laughs) And then determines the total amount of emissions that need to be offset in order to make the home truly net zero carbon. There's a question in the chat about if we were asked, um, if we ask consumers their preferences on heat pumps versus furnaces, ACs, et cetera. Um, There was not a direct question in there um, on this survey. We do have a building products team that they they live in that space. So if you want to talk more about that, just I think at the end we have our contact information. Just shoot us an email. We can connect you with the right people to chat to chat with about this. All right. So next up, um, continuing on this conversation, we just want to encourage you to take the time to educate consumers about clean energy credits and deductions. So although our survey results revealed that the Inflation Reduction Act is prompting one in five consumers to make energy-related home improvements, more than half aren't familiar with the tax credits and deductions for investment in residential clean energy and efficiency that's covered by the Inflation Reduction Act. And I'm sure this audience knows this, but 
builders can also take advantage of tax credit opportunities. Um, the main opportunities available are with the 45L tax credit, residential clean energy property credit, and energy efficient home improvement credit. So I think, oh, we have somebody that's coming Back. in late. All right. Yep, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to go to the design side. <laughs> All right, so up our last year, we have one more great example for you um, on designing for energy efficiency, and it's McStain Neighborhoods' Be Well House. So McStain's focus on health and energy and great design gave rise to what they call the Be Well House, which um, these high energy efficiency homes are zero energy ready, EPA indoor air plus certified, they come standard with solar, and so many more features. I'm just going to run through a few real quick because I could talk about they this did it for all. an hour. They checked they all They literally boxes. did it all. <laughs> <laughs> They've got high efficiency windows, whole house, um, high efficiency HVACs. They, like I said, come with solar panels um, and they also activate a 20 year prepaid lease through their solar partner. So that's really cool. Low to no industrial solvents in the paints, carpets, engineered wood products throughout the home. They have tankless water heaters, interior moisture control. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this whole spiel, every Be Well house carries Indoor Air Plus, Energy Star, and Zero Energy Ready certifications. And lastly, before being completed, Every Be Well house is inspected and certified by an independent third party to confirm that these certifications are, you know, as great as they say they are. Oh, that was a list. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, that is what we have for you today. If you have questions that we have not answered yet, please start typing them into the Q&A. We do have a few minutes left that we can run through them. While you're doing that, I'm just going to run through the key takeaways here. It's that consumers do believe that the home impacts their health, um, and we do expect for that concern and awareness to continue to grow. Um, when we're talking about marketing efforts, talk about what it is that you have built um, rather than the process that you took to build it. Um, indoor air quality is the most top notch of the consumer's mindset and filtered air is really where it's at in their mind, to be clear on that. Um, but when you're talking about overall well-being for the consumer, it really needs to tie back to their mental health. Um, Eco-friendly and the consumer mindset, a lot of people, it's save me some money, right? And then on the last takeaway here was that we need to continue to educate. I know that probably every single one of you that's on this webinar no, like you were like, we've already been doing this. Like, why do you keep telling us to educate them? We're here to tell you to keep doing it. It is working, um, but make sure that you're doing it in a very outrageously consumer-friendly way so that they can continue to, to move along and see all of the benefits for them, for their wallet, um, for the environment, et cetera. So that is where we are at. I see a couple comments being popped in. If you have any questions, you can um, message us. They're just scan our QR codes and it'll connect you with us. Um, but if you have questions, I see typing happening. So thank you, Cindy. We are very happy that you could join us. I see Aaron popping on. Um, yes, there is a recording for anybody who um, popped on late and then I see, hello, Erin, you're back. How's it going? 
Are you talking to me? Yeah. I am. How are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got a no, big I, smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. No, listen, it's it, it's incredible data. I think there were some, oh my goodness, moments in there for sure, right? Um, but I just wanted to reiterate that you go to eba.org. Within about 24 hours, we'll have this recording uploaded to the EBA Academy, which is under our education tab. And then uh, if you want to listen to it uh, and the Better Homes, Better Future uh, podcast, you can find that on all of your favorite podcast channels. And then we will be sharing this with uh, John Burns Consulting. Um, I, I think we'll take some snippets and do it on on social media, uh, Deanna. Uh, I was just, I was really intrigued by a couple of those numbers, particularly around the carbon. Yeah. I mean, that we, and I don't know if, I told you this stat, but we did a survey of builders and we said, is it better to have more carbon, less carbon or balance the carbon in your home? And the number one answer was not less carbon yeah. in your home. So there might be a, that's probably the most significant gap that I see right now in what you're surveying that builders need to gain an understanding of um, carbon. And I think uh, operational carbon is fairly straightforward. I think embodied carbon is is fairly difficult yep. um, and it's going to take uh, some some effort. So just wondering if you had any, uh, I, I know you talked about it, but any other uh, thoughts there around how important carbon may become, particularly with the two, what I would call younger consumer profiles that you looked at? Yeah, so I will tell you that there is a lot of research that needs to be done on carbon. End of sentence, full stop, right? There is yeah. so much more research that needs to be done on it. Um, and there's so many different ways to to look at it and how that's done. You are correct. Operational carbon is a very easy thing to understand and to calculate. It just is, right? The embodied carbon is outrageously complex. And I almost feel like we need like it needs its own blockchain solution um to really answer that fully um carbon has been a hot conversation we are it is on our radar we're going to continue to study that i'm happy to like spitball with people if you want to call me because it's been interesting to see sharing these results how many people are like can we talk about this can we like i have some ideas on this i want to i want to better understand this or i want to talk about how we can continue to grow that number right so the short the short answer is that i don't have a crystal ball um the long answer is what i just gave you so <laughs> yeah yeah but i'll i'll bring up because i'm familiar with yeah. um, thrives project in fort collins colorado but what we saw there was the city actually requiring a carbon footprinting of the house um eba actually created a net zero carbon building professional one day training uh, that's that's cool. available online today, and we're also doing that in person across the country. But I just, it was so incredible to see that the consumer is really far ahead of the industry on that. Maybe the only other one that would be that far ahead would be the investor groups that are, yeah. are looking at those ESG reports, right? Well, and why do investors care? Like, let's just talk about that for a second, right? Yeah. Like, investors care about where consumers are going to spend their money, right? So... Like, where's the long-term growth going? So if I always look at where the money's going, 
um, to answer a lot of questions. And sometimes where the money's going and where the consumers are going doesn't align. Um, and sometimes it does. And here I feel like it really does, um, especially in the carbon and the energy efficiency part of the story. And so it's maybe for different reasons or maybe for the same reason. You guys probably have, we could probably talk about that for a while, but I really like to see those two things align because it means that it's a very easy thing to understand when the money and the consumers are going in the same direction. Deanna and Megan, I'm wondering if you're seeing any movement toward or builders doing it well of selling on, and particularly with your survey results, but selling on P-I-T-I-E. And so instead of just uh, principal interest taxes and insurance of going to that next level, because I think the data revealed it so much that the reason why we do this has to impact their wallet. So is anyone doing a really great job of saying, hey, your energy bill, and I, I know Gene, you know, Gene's house. He, does it. he has yeah. like a 40, yeah. it's like $40 a month to heat and cool that house. And it's not a small yeah. house. Yeah. So is anybody doing that well? Do you see us need, needing to do that more as an industry? Yeah. Gene's like a local celebrity around here, huh? We'll just keep saying Gene's name. Maybe he'll <laughs> magically appear. I don't know. Is he just going to like <laughs> pop up? Okay. If we just keep saying it. Um, they, I mean, they definitely are like the forefront runners of it. I think that I always tie it back to like when the Prius first came out. Hmm. And there's a reason why they slapped that gas saving sticker on every window in the parking lot, right? It resonates. Um I honestly don't know why everybody's not doing it. Um, I almost feel like it's a little scorecard. Um, maybe some people don't want to do it, but uh, you know what I'm saying? But we already, the consumer mindset, I mean, very early in this deck, the consumer mindset's already saying like, hey, I believe as a consumer that a new home is going to be better for me. Um, and then there's a whole list of reasons, right? Like new homes have a perceived value of also being more energy efficient, right? And so there's that tie there. And I really, I would say that Gene's definitely the front runner and the Thrive team on doing that. But um, I would love to see more companies sort of laying it out. Like that's that's what I'm talking about when we say, find a really great consumer-friendly way to educate them, mm -hmm. right? That's it's a great way to say like, yeah, you might pay $100,000 more or $50,000 more, but look what you're going to save. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you're going to pay, I don't know, pick a number, $400 more a month on your um, monthly home mortgage, right? But you're going to save $300 a month here and you're going to save $100 here and you're going to save $100 here. So that math always makes sense to consumers, but you have to spell it out savings and they're back to the money conversation they like it when their pocketbook feels better right they like those heavy heavy pocketbooks where it's got a little more change in there absolutely well deanna and megan i want to thank you so much for uh for being here with us i mean again it's incredible data i would invite you back for any um, <laughs> opportunity where you have additional things to share because i think this is critical to all of our understanding of the industry yeah we love doing it and we love that we got to be here and that you were so gracious to share with us um and we're happy to talk all things consumer design anytime so fantastic 
And thanks everyone for joining us and uh, we'll hope to see you on our next uh, webinar and podcast. Take care.